twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. And welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roque. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll talk about airband radios. We'll learn how these radios are used in avionics, the FCC rules for using them, and the types of airband radios available. We'll also review the ICOM ICA14 VHF airband radio and take some of your questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by buytwowayradios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Buytwowayradios.com, your radio specialist. Okay, let's talk about airband radios. Great. First, what is an airband radio? Well, an airband radio is also referred to as an avionics radio. An avionics or an airband radio is intended for use by pilots as a means of navigation and two-way communication. If you're into aviation, you probably already know how important it is to have a radio in the air. Airband radios use VHF frequencies. These frequencies are in the range of 108 MHz up to 137 MHz. Uh, VHF airband channels are different than those used for land-based radios in that they're specifically set aside for use in avionic environments. Some types of aircraft, like transoceanic aircraft, may use high frequencies as well as these airband frequencies or these VHF frequencies. But in this episode, we're going to focus just on the VHF radios. Okay. The thing is about VHF, which works well for the airband radios, VHF works best when it's used outdoors in high altitude. So, um, Bingo. Yeah. Now, with airband, they're divided into COM for communication and nav for navigation channels. So you've got com and nav. That's right. I, and I believe that um, before the days of GPS and, uh, you know, your Garmin and all that, that uh, these types of radios with nav channels, frequencies set aside specifically for navigation purposes, yep. were used to uh, primarily for navigation and, mm-hmm. you know, to direct your plane, I guess. Yeah, the, the difference here, the comm channels, they're uh, using the higher end of the band, and they're programmed to frequencies that are specifically intended for voice communication. And um, in the United States, those frequencies that are signed for amplitude-modulated voice communications are between uh, 118 MHz to 136.975 MHz. And then you have the, the nav channels, and those are on the lower end of the band. And these are assigned the frequencies of 108 MHz to 117.95 MHz, and those are used for navigation 
for navigational assistance. I guess we don't see so much of pilots using radios for navigation any longer now that there's maybe some newer GPS type technology. But do these channels still work just as well as they yeah. always did? Actually, um, they, actually, they're still in use, even though GPS is used widely. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they still use these, and, and radios still uh, incorporate nav channels so that, that pilots can utilize them. Um, now, those frequencies are split into 200 narrowband channels of about 50 kilohertz. And one of the navigation systems that uses this is a VHF omnidirectional range or a VOR system is what it's called. And this is a short range radio beacon system by the US in 1937. And this was set up to help pilots to determine their position and, and kind of stay on course wherever they were. And it's, it's become a global standard for navigation and aviation. Uh, and there are about uh, 3,000 uh, VOR, VOR stations worldwide. And these beacons are set up around in, in, you know, the, the world and wherever pilots are flying. Uh, they can pick up the signals from those beacons and it helps steer them and keep them on course. Okay. So maybe if you're an amateur pilot, it's not something that you do full time. Maybe you can get away with some lesser expensive radio equipment. Mm-hmm. and use nav channels and not have to buy the, the fancy uh, GPS navigation. All the, all the big uh, uh, yeah, systems that, that the commercial airlines use, uh, those can get pretty expensive. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, also, the VHF airband radios, uh, another thing they typically incorporate are NOAA marine weather channels and the NOAA weather alerts. Well, for obvious reasons. I mean, they're out flying around. Yeah, that that seems like it would be very important. Yeah. And um, it, it's not that big of a stretch because they're VHF radios anyway, and um, these weather frequencies are all VHF. Mm-hmm. Also, the airband includes an emergency communication frequency, and that's at 121.5 megahertz, and it has 100 kilohertz bandwidth. Now, this frequency is known as uh, the IAD, or International Air Distress. I believe a lot of these... Um, Airband radios that we carry have a button that will direct you right to this channel. Yeah, they'll have an emergency, um, like a panic button, sends out a distress signal. And uh, the radios can be programmed for that, or I think some of them are already programmed for that uh, by default. Great. There's several different types of airband radios. Some of the ones that we carry here are the handheld airband radios. They're typically about 5 watts. And uh, the panel... Uh, NAVCOM radios are typically about 8 watts. And because, you know, you're up in the air, mm-hmm. um, and basically the, the radio communications is pretty much line of sight, you're way up in the air, you know, air to ground or air to air, the range will be a lot better typically right, than on a typical 5-watt radio. there's no obstructions at all to, right. to block the signal. So a 5-watt radio is going to transmit for a long, long distance. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like we knock the consumer radio guys for claiming <laughs> 36 miles or whatever of uh, range. That could actually happen from a plane. I have a theory about that. I think that's what they do is that they take the consumer radios up in a plane somewhere and, and or up in a helicopter and say, you know, take it up three, four miles and say, can you hear me now? And, oh, yeah, great. We're getting, you know, 30, 40 you miles may, off this radio. Maybe you're on to something there. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're doing. 
It could be. It could be. Um, there, there's something going on, that's for sure. <laughs> um, licensing. Now, that's a that's an interesting issue here. The the radios are typically licensed in in much the same way that marine radios are licensed. You know, that surprised me in, in researching airband radios. I kind of figured that licensing for this type of product would be pretty strict, uh, sort of like with business radios where you need to get a, a license before you use it. But uh, no, if you're using these radios in an airplane, then there's no license required as long as you're staying over the continental United States. If you get yeah. too close to Canada or, or another country, then you will need to get a license. Yeah, but. and and actually I'm going to read part 87, of subpart B of Title 47 of the uh, FCC rules here. The FCC states that an aircraft station is licensed by rule and does not need an individual license issued by the FCC if the aircraft station is not required by statute, treaty, or agreement to which the United States is signatory to carry a radio, and the aircraft station does not make international flights or communications. Now, even though an individual license is not required, an aircraft station licensed by rule must be operated in accordance with all applicable operating requirements, procedures, and technical specifications found in this part. And uh, we'll, we'll have a link to that in the in the show notes as well to the FCC rules. Um, but for the most part, uh, yeah, if you're using them in the air and you're operating domestically, you are not required by law to um, to have a, a light an individual license for this radio. It's basically licensed by rule. That makes things very simple. Mm-hmm. Now, the types of airband radios we mentioned before, there, there are three different types. We have the panel mount radios. And a panel mount will install directly into an aircraft. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones that go into the, the aircraft consoles. Uh, and then you have the handheld radios. These are very similar to the, the business type radios that we talk about every other week. Right, right. And then you have the ground stations. And the ground stations can be, when they're talking about a ground station, you're talking about a, a radio that can sit either sit on a desk, you know, like a, a mobile radio that can sit on a desk, or... Business um, users would call that like a base station. Like a base station, or one that uh, would install in a vehicle. Okay. That kind of thing. Um, so those would be the ground stations. Now, the panel mount radios... We have a, you know, an ICOM ICA210 as an example of a, a panel mount radio. The handhelds, and we carry a couple of handhelds here. Uh, we carry the um, ICOM ICA6 and the ICA14. And, uh, and then for ground station radios, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, ICOM makes one of those there, an ICA110. As a matter of fact, we're going to review the ICA14 here in just a couple of minutes. So... Um, and uh, the brands of air uh, band radios, you've got, uh, you know, ICOM, as we mentioned, makes a lot of them. And then uh, Garmin does a lot. And they do a lot with GPS, too. They, they right, do a lot right. with avionics. And uh, you want to talk, you were talking about the expensive ones a while ago. Uh, that's the Garmin, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They really get into into that. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're not carrying any of the Garmins at this time. But uh, ICOM has a, a great line of uh, airband radios and uh, great prices as well. Mm-hmm. We've been selling a few um, airband radios, haven't we, Anthony? We've sold a few. Yeah. What, what are we selling mostly, pretty much? Uh, the more popular ones, the ICA6. Mm-hmm. Get a lot of uh, pilots and small, like municipal airport employees buying them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we haven't been able to keep that A6 in stock. I mean, we uh, we just got into airband radios a few weeks ago, and it seems like every time we get a shipment, they're they're gone the next day. A little more popular than we thought they'd be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we keep having to up our order, getting more and more every time. Okay, well, uh, any other um, thoughts? I think we pretty much covered air, you know, the basics of Airband radios. Uh, and if anyone has any more questions, we have um, an article on them as well on our website and our blog, and uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. So any more information on that you can also find there. Uh, any other comments on Airband radios? I don't think so. No, we're good. All right. Well, coming up, we'll review the ICOM ICA14 VHF airband radio. It's made for pilots, but does it fly with us? We'll find out next on the Two Way Radio Show. Searching for Two Way Radios? Buy Two-Way Radios has what you need. Buy Two-Way Radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. Buy Two-Way Radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. All of our products are stocked at our local warehouse. This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to the Two-Way Radio Show, and this week we're going to review an airband radio from ICOM, the ICA-14. Well, the ICA-14 is what I would call probably like a beginner's radio for pilots. A lot of student pilots purchase this radio. But from what I've seen of this radio, it's um, you got everything basically in the palm of your hand. It looks just like a standard business radio. It really does. It kind of looks like they took one of their, their business models it does. And, and made a couple of changes, and, and voila. You know, it's got the full keypad on it, um, you know, with the alphanumeric text display and backlit display that, that stays on until you turn it off, to you know, so it's not going off while you're it's dark up there in the plane, and it stays on until you actually shut it off. Um, I guess that'd be pretty important when you're, when you're flying up high there, but... A lot of features in this radio. A ton of for, features. For the, for the price. I mean, uh, this is a, a low-priced radio in, yeah. when it comes to airband models. One of the big features on this radio that we promote uh, on our site is that it has a BTL amplifier that, that basically doubles the audio output. And then it's coupled with a 700-milliwatt speaker built into the radio. And that way you can hear it. You know, if you're in a noisy prop plane or something like that you can really hear it you know above a lot of the noise in the in the cabin that, that is a big feature i mean it, it may help to use a headset or something like that as well but if you're if you're not if you're just using the radio i can see that being a a, a big benefit mm-hmm. but this radio seems to do everything 
Uh, it's got the comm channels and the nav channels. The display isn't quite as nice as uh, what is available on the A6, but uh, still a, a display for what is basically an entry-level radio is a nice feature. No doubt. And it's got the uh, probably the most important key on there, that dedicated emergency key. It seems like with that, that keypad on there, it's got everything that you need to be able to keep your eyes on the sky and, mm-hmm. you know, one hand on the the wheel, so to say, um, and the other on your radio if need be. It's got the removable antenna on it as well, which is nice. You could either use the the antenna that comes with it, or it's kind of got like a BNC connector on it, running a, an external antenna to, uh, antenna to the outside of the plane, give you a little bit more range on that. Got all the the NOAA channels on it, very important. Oh yeah. Something else that might be important is uh, there's an accessory available for this. It's an alkaline battery case that will allow you to use six AA batteries to power this radio instead of the lithium rechargeable battery that's mm-hmm. standard. And um, that may be important if you, if you don't want to run out of battery life or something like that. Probably a big plus to keep just in the console of the plane just, to, just in case yeah. type deal. That's true. Well, the lithium-ion battery uh, actually has pretty good life on this radio, but if you're up there a little bit longer than you expect, uh, or in an emergency situation, what you know, what happens if I mean your plane goes down or something? And you know, let's hope that never happens. But it, should that happen, and you're there without any power, the extra alkaline batteries could be a lifesaver. Yeah. Well, communication is extremely critical. If you're yeah. piloting a plane or even if you're in a hot air balloon or something like that, you need to be able to communicate, and having a backup power supply is not a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This looks like, for the price, it is a, a pretty powerful radio. It uh, has uh, duplicate operation. It's IPX uh, water-resistant, and it meets uh, mil-standard uh, C, D, E, and F. For durability, so uh, and and it comes with a three-year manufacturer warranty from ICOM, which that uh, says a lot about the reliability of the radio. No doubt, but uh, two thirty-nine ninety-five on this radio plus shipping in stock, ready to ship today. If you have questions, definitely give us a call. Size like said, on this radio is is uh, two inches wide, about four and a half inches tall without the antenna, and uh, an inch and a half deep. By the way, mm-hmm. so it's pretty uh, much like a business radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and it comes with the uh, the battery pack, the lithium ion battery pack, uh, belt clip, removable antenna, the hand strap, the desktop charger, an AC adapter, and an owner's manual. So, so uh, when you get this radio, you're not just getting the radio; you're getting the the whole the whole deal. And if you enter the promo code show at checkout, you can save an additional five percent off these radios. So that uh, is a pretty good deal all the way around. Any other uh, comments on the ICA-14? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Okay. All right, well, we have some questions and comments from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. The first one comes from uh, Drajnirb, D-R-A-J-N-Y-R-B. So I guess that would be pronounced Drajnirb. I wonder what that means. I, I, I don't know. He's from Norway, apparently. 
He says, I'm planning on ordering a Garmin Rhino 650 from the glorious U.S. I live in Norway, and here we use totally different frequencies for hunting, and therefore I'm totally dependent on the possibility to change the frequencies of the channels on the two-way radio on the Rhino. Uh, can anybody help me find out if it's possible or not? And that's from Drajnirb. Not possible. No. Not at all. That That is a GMRS radio. It's sort of hard-coded to the GMRS frequencies, and... Uh, you have to check your local laws to see if it's even legal to use those frequencies in, in Norway. I, I don't know right off the top of my head. Yeah, I, he definitely can't uh, reprogram those radios. Definitely not. That's for sure. Okay, the um, next one comes from Jerry. Jerry uh, says, uh, all the manufacturers have a line of radios that advertise a range of 10 miles up to 36 miles. Most of the radios advertise maximum allowed power. So what is it about the radios that warrant advertising 36 miles versus 27 miles versus 22 miles, etc.? Is it the antenna, the internal circuits? In practical use, is it closer to 3 miles, 2.5 miles, and 2 miles for each of these? Or is miles just hype? And the only real difference might be just some of the features, e.g. waterproof or something else. And that's from Jerry. We've covered this a lot, and uh, we really encourage people to just not look at the the range claims, the um, crazy high number of miles that uh, each radio is going to advertise. This is probably the most asked question. Yeah. Yeah, we you know, get this a lot. Yeah, we do. And we also get, this radio says it will we'll do 36 miles, but I'm only getting two miles. And, you know, the customer's not happy. Yeah, and there are a lot of factors that determine range on a radio. But uh, let's face it, you know, when you have a radio that says it'll go 40 or 50 miles, that's 40 or 50 miles if you've got one of the radios in an airplane <laughs> that's yeah. airborne. Yeah. Uh, you know, I really don't want to go on a, a rant about this, but it, it's really important just to look at the wattage of the radio and think about the environment that you're going to be using the radio in. Anything that's uh, tall and basically in your way is going to block the signal from a radio and, and reduce your range. Mm-hmm. So with a high-end consumer radio that, that's 2 to 5 watts, expect a mile or two in range and... If you get more than that, be happy. <laughs> if uh, you're yeah. in a, a wide open area, I've heard uh, where uh, you can get more range than that. I've definitely heard cases where you can, but uh, I wouldn't tell anyone to expect it. You know, on the flip side, there is a lot of talk in uh, forums, in, in our forums as well, and from uh, people who are really seriously into the FRS, GMRS radios, they really put down, they really go the other extreme and say, oh, these radios, you're going to get an eighth of a mile or a quarter mile at the most, and Mm -hmm. you're not going to get much range on it at all. I mean, you know, you can set someone's expectations either too much or too little. Right. And there's a a happy medium because that that, that turns some people off from buying the radios when they say, you know what, I'm only going to be able to go down to the mailbox with this thing and I won't get any farther. It really depends. And we did an episode, um, the Radios and Range episode, that we did. And go back and listen to that, and we have some tips on how to increase the range of your radio. But having said that, I embarked on a little project. Uh, My son and I, we're taking our radios. We have GXT 1050s, and we're taking our radios into uh, various places to test them out and see what the range is like in those areas. 
And uh, we took him out to a Walmart this past weekend, to a super Walmart, no doubt. And he went on way one end of the uh, one corner of the store, and I went on another corner, in the, you know, in diagonal corners. And uh, we tested these things out. And one of, and we're going to be testing them out in some other places, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done it in a hotel and, and places like that. I'm going to compile a uh, blog post, and we'll do an episode on it here very soon. I look forward and, to that. And, and I'll lay out... Uh, all, all the data that I've gathered, and we'll do a report on it and uh, tell people what to realistically expect. So how do they the work trainings. in the Walmart? Actually, they work pretty well. And you surprised. were on Channel 8. We were on Channel 8. FRS channel, so yeah. the, the radios were only transmitting at half, half a watt, watt or less. Yeah, and we could hear each other fine. And uh, So, um, so I'm, I'm going to take them to a Sam's Club or a Costco or something where the, the you know, the uh, shelves are really high where there's a lot of stuff in the way, a lot of metal and steel to block things. And we'll, we'll test it out there, and we'll test it out in some other places too. Um, but I think that if we if we do a you know a realistic survey on these, and then we can present it in a future episode and, and blog posts, and then we did an episode you know, of. Oh. A long time ago where we talked about some testing that we did. We took a few consumer-grade radios out and and did some outdoor testing. And I believe like the GXT-1000 around our office, we would get around a mile and a half or so out of that radio. Yeah, I was surprised. We we got a fair amount of range. And there were a lot of trees and a a few soft, you know, rolling hills and things like that in between. So, uh, and a lot of buildings. But nowhere close to the 36 miles that uh, is on the box. But, you know, if you can get a mile and a half to two miles out of a, uh, an FRS GMRS radio, um, I'd say, you know, for a, lot of, uh, for a lot of applications, that's pretty good. That's the number one asked question, and I'll tell you, we, we do on the website. I mean, of course, it does say 36 miles, but we always have in parentheses, you know, typically – a mile and a half, two miles. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, we do that because, you know, the, the boxes can be very misleading. I mean, it's the biggest number on the front of that box that you're looking at. And, you know, it's the number one question, how much range am I going to get? And it's different everywhere. I haven't found one person tell me to get 36 miles yet. but I haven't either, actually. But <laughs> Maybe we'll hear some from some pilots here in the future that, <laughs> that will confirm yeah. that. I'm getting 50 miles up here. I mean, it, I'm up here on the uh, the ISS, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but um, but yeah, I I would say that uh, range is is relative. <laughs> range okay. depends on terrain and power. Yeah. Okay, and our last question comes from uh, JBAPS, and he wants to know how do I go about requesting an FCC license for a two way radio use, and he has he has Cobra CXT two eighty radios. Okay, that is a GMRS radio. So what he's looking for is a GMRS license. A, a GMRS license can be requested directly from the FCC. You don't need to go through a frequency coordinator or a, a license preparer. His cost is going to be $85. It's going to give him a license for five years to use that radio. And uh, the FCC has a system called the ULS. I believe mm-hmm. it stands for the Universal Licensing System. Yep. He can go to the FCC's website and do everything right there. It doesn't take long. They take payment by credit card right through the website, and you're good to go. Um, anybody that needs any business licensing services that require frequency coordination can come through us. We do handle business frequency licensing. We can answer any questions you have on that. Okay. 
And uh, I guess that does it for our comments and questions this week. Uh, send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buytwowayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry.com, or stream it on Stitcher. All right, before we go, does uh, anyone have any final comment? Anything else they want to say? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Everyone, thanks for listening, and until next time... For the two-way radio show, I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feemster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out. <laughs>